right, still smarting from uh, the fact that my wife uh, made an accurate prediction in the Houston versus Cleveland game over the weekend is a New York Times best-selling author, co-host of Fox and Friends, nationally syndicated radio talk show host, the uh, the host of One Nation with Brian Kilmeade on Saturday nights, the aforementioned Brian Kilmeade. Hey there, Brian. What's going on, Frank? Uh, quite a bit, uh, quite a bit. Um, that, you know, I'm afraid to ask, but because there's a lot of political stuff that I want to get your take on. But uh, four interesting games this weekend. Who, who do you like in these games? Just so I know to bet the opposite. You know what? If you're going to have that attitude, maybe I'll just call into another show. All right? Maybe. I mean, uh, I think Tampa Bay's run is done, but the Philadelphia collapse is something epic. Uh, I mean, I statistically, it goes back to the 1986 Jets, but can you believe? You watched the Giants take them apart in the final week of the season. I thought, you know, what's going on? And they kind of quit after the first quarter. They really didn't need the game, but they tried to beat the Giants. They tried to get themselves on track, and the Giants just crushed them. And I thought, okay, they got a week to get it together. But now, I mean, they, they went from likely to win the Super Bowl to the best team in football at 10-1 and one, to maybe they should fire their coach. I mean, I've never seen a collapse like this, except for Dallas. It, Dallas, it, on the other hand, that was another thing. I mean, who predicted that Incredible. Game? In- absolutely incredible. It's what, hey, but, um, but the Packers, I think, stopped now, too. San Francisco is going to beat them. Uh, speaking of predictions, I, I mean, the polling in Iowa seemed to be pretty right on, showing uh, Trump winning in a landslide. Uh, Nikki Haley, who you did a great interview with uh, this week, which I want to ask you about, uh, a lot of people are saying she's coming within striking distance of Trump. Maybe she could even pull out a win. If not a win, maybe she comes in a uh, a strong second. How do you see New Hampshire going, and what do you see that doing to the uh, dynamics of the race? You know, uh, it's interesting. It looks like uh, Ron DeSantis is moving most of his staff to, to South Carolina. And evidently, his super PAC is cutting back spending and letting some people go. Uh, he's going to be in single digits. But he says, after Nikki Haley gets crushed in New Hampshire, it'll be, be me and Trump. And then I, I, he wants that matchup. Okay. So for Nikki Haley, uh, you know, you saw that a couple of the American research group say that she was in a dead heat at 40-40. But Suff- the Suffolk poll, which had... Her within uh, single digits, I think six or seven points, now has a huge spread between them. I think about 17, 18. So Trump is going to look to lock it up. He's, he's going back and forth between coming to New York City and went to New Hampshire. He's got a, uh, he's got a big event today. He's got one on Sunday. He's got uh, one, a couple on Monday. Uh, and I'm not sure he might be pulling out on Tuesday. But it's very interesting. I don't think Nikki Haley loses anything with the controversial things she said about race and racism uh, in New Hampshire. But the question is, does, it, does, does Trump stronger than anybody knows? Right. Well, that is the, that is the big question. Hey, you mentioned that Nikki Haley comment. If people aren't familiar with that, uh, she said this in a discussion with you uh, talking about America's history. You asked uh, in words or substance if the Republican Party was a racist party. She no, not- okay. Well, just, just to frame it up correctly, yeah. I was coming off some idiotic statement uh, that an MSNBC anchor said, Joy Reid. She said, well, you know, Donald Trump won. But keep in mind. Nikki Haley's a brown woman, so Republicans don't really like that, (laughs) which is the most asinine segment you could ever say. Understood. So I just said, I I was hoping that, you know, she would want that question, but uh, here's how she answered. This is what Nikki Haley said. No, we're we're not a racist country, Brian. We've never been a racist country. 
Now, you know, this was a little bit of a weird response, especially given the uh, the guff that she got for not mentioning slavery during the Civil War. A lot of folks would say at the time that we had slavery or Jim Crow or a host of other issues where different races were treated differently, that we were a racist country. What did you make of her response there, Brian? Is this just a gaff or what, what is this? Well... I would say this in the break. I always talk, try to talk to people in the break. And um, so I just started talking to her. She just landed. And every time I asked her a question, she would ask me to repeat it. And she was having problems. And I'm not making excuses. I'm just giving. No one's even asked me this. So I'm just telling you, she was not hearing me. And then so we go to Dago Brown. We'll shut it down. We've got to work on the audio. Next thing you know, I'm reading the introduction. They go, we got it. I go, great. We, let's go. So I open up with Joy Reid. I, I know that would be good audio, and I open up and say, hey, how you doing? Uh, I know you're in New Hampshire, hour sleep, got it. I go, listen to this. And I just think that she was in almost a, okay, they're, they're calling America racist, so let me push back on that. Instead of, well, they're saying I lost because I'm Indian. Mm. And she would have been the best answer ever. Is like, yeah, no, Donald Trump beat me in Iowa, but I'm going to change the, I'm going to change this race here in New Hampshire. But it had nothing to do with my gender and nothing to do with my uh, heritage. Because you know, if you read her book, you know that she did not have an easy time in South Carolina growing up. You know, kids can be cruel, but things have worked out for her. Obviously, America has grown, uh, especially in the South. But if you actually want to talk about a racist party. I mean, Democrats condemning Republicans, I have a real, you know, are, are really going uh, on a blind spot in history. You know, um, some people are criticizing, talking about the issue of race, uh, Donald Trump for his recent Truth Social posts and, and elsewhere for using her actual first name rather than Nikki Haley, which is her middle name and the, the name that she's been using uh, since she was a child. Her her actual first name is Nimarada, which is how Trump has been uh, referring to her. A lot of people are saying this is sort of his way of trying to stoke racial tension. What do you make of that? Well, I just know that the only other person to say that was Vivek Ramaswamy, and they hooked up yesterday for the first time, and that Nimrata was used for the first time on Truth Social. I don't know if he was behind that, but I think it's totally unnecessary. Uh, I don't, I don't, you know, if like Bobby Jindal, that that's not his birth name. He was named after his parents looked up and they loved the Brady Bunch, and they literally named him after Bobby Brady. So are you going to go? I don't know what his normal uh, his his birth name is. Uh, he was the former governor of Louisiana. I don't know why it's important. And she says, I'm Nikki Haley. The view tried to take her on a year ago mm-hmm. and said, why don't you use your real name? She goes, that is my real name. So now she's got to go back and correct the record. I, I, I would hope that no one says, wait a second, her name's not Nikki. I'm not going to vote for her. I just think it's unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know um, Ted Cruz's real name is Raphael, or his real first name is Raphael Edward Cruz. Is that true? Yeah. I didn't know oh, yeah. That. Oh, no, no, no. But you didn't hear a lot of folks, you know, Trump or others uh, during the campaign calling him Raphael. And I just I just wonder, you know, where, you know, so it sounds like you think maybe maybe there is something to that. Not necessarily the racial component, but not a big need to do that. I don't think so. I mean, I'm not I'm not big into bird brain. I'm not big into the sanctimonious. I don't need it. I don't, you know, uh, it's not wrestling. But that's what Trump does. I, I don't think we should be surprised. I'm not mad. I don't think it, it, it changes the face of America. But I, I personally, 
uh, I, it's not going to. I don't think it'll change one vote. And I think you should be, give people of, of New Hampshire credit, uh, more credit than that, to think. Wait a second, honey. If she's Indian, why would I go to the polls? I mean, really? I mean, I think that's pretty much settled law. Uh, you had another great interview with uh, Joe Manchin. A lot of people are, are talking about Joe Manchin as being the no labels party candidate for president. No labels said they're going to make a big announcement today about what they're doing. They didn't say necessarily they're going to name a candidate or what the story was. They just said they're making a big announcement. Here's a little bit of your uh, trying to get an answer from Joe Manchin about whether he's going to run and if he's going to be a spoiler. Here's the thing, you know, uh, the base of the party has taken the extremes clear to the extremes. And you have people on both sides. On the Republican side, you know, you have some really center-right good people who I work with every day and center-left people that we work with every day trying to make basically good decisions for our country that are going to be great for our families right. and secure, our, okay, secure us. The bottom line, they're afraid to jump out there and do this or that. There's no base and they're going to get beat up or they get primaried and this and that. I'm not running again because you cannot fix Washington inside of Washington. The business model, the Democrat and Republican Party uh, is doing just well, Brian. They're doing extremely well financially. And you're not going to change that business model. So we need to go out and we're talking to people. My daughter Heather and I are working together. She has a, a new uh, 501c4, Americans Together, which is explaining to people how they can be more involved, have primaries are more opened up on majority votes, uh, trying to change the gerrymandering way it's done and all these uh, districts are already cooked before you even run. You tried to ask him two more times after that if he was going to run. I still don't know what his answer is. What did you come away with thinking? I think he's running, and you know I don't know the the I don't know the infrastructure of no labels, but they're already on fourteen ballots, and it's not going to be that hard to get to what he needs is thirty four, and he really I mean he's seventy four, but he looks maybe. Uh, 62, maybe. It just over, I mean, he is, he, this guy is, I, I just met him in person. Uh, obviously, I was at a Jaguars game, and that's why I ran into him. We talked for about an hour. My gut feeling, then we, I ran to Michael Waltz, and to be able to sit there, the three of us, and, and listen to, number one, how they're coming up with legislation to not shut down the government, and they're trying to come up with something on the border. And just I just sat back and listened to them going back and forth. But my sense is, just as me, he's in. Hmm. And, it, and and he wants Mitt. He wants Mitt Romney to run with him. And Mitt goes, no, I'm not popular. You don't want me. He's like, no, no, we have to do this. We have to run. Uh, I don't personally, I don't think he's thrilled running with Huntsman. I don't know about Hogan. I don't think they really know each other. So I'm, I'm curious to see who he's going to run with. And if he could get up enough votes, I don't know if, you, if you're too young. I think, Frank, I remember uh, Ross Perot being on stage and changing the total dynamic between Clinton and Bush. So I was doing sports at the time, but I was still entranced by the whole race. Imagine Manchin on the stage between Trump and Biden. I mean, it it would change the whole dynamic. It would be fascinating. And And especially Kennedy is polling at 15 percent and he's able to get in those debates as well. Right, but this guy's still struggling. Kennedy's only got on one ballot. Right. Utah. Utah. Hey, the, the, the few but the proud in Utah. Brian, it is always a, a, a treat to talk with you, or should I call you by your real first name, Sebastian? <laughs> I would say that that is not true. That is, uh, that is fake news. This is my real name. I'm uh, half Irish, half Italian. And I'm I be and I'm going to run on both those heritage. There you, there and you go. When I'm in there Little Italy, I'll be all Italian. 
Uh, and that'll be it. And by the way, special thanks to all our listeners. Uh, Booker T. Washington was uh, was on the bestseller list up until Christmas, dropped, and over the last two weeks just uh, blitzed back on the bestseller list. Well, that's so terrific. People want to hear that story, Teddy and Booker T. If people want to check out the book, then go to briankillme.com, Teddy and Booker T., uh, how two American icons blazed a path for racial equality. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. And uh, believe it or not, there's actually an enormous amount of parallels to what we're going through now as a country. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. All right. Go get him, Frank. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.